Hey guys, welcome back to another Bite of D&D episode. I am here with Zach, as always, and today we are going to be diving into another monster. This time it will be the Banshee. Yes. Uh, what exactly are Banshees for D&D? Banshees are unique. Um, I like to think, like, you know, wizards, when they age and they kind of give into that evil side of them, they become liches, right? Especially the necromancers. Elves when they kind of give into the evil side of them, then female elves, they become banshees. When they don't use their beauty for good, when they use it for greed or for themselves, then eventually they turn into this undead creature. Interesting. So it is a curse based on narcissism. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that right there is like, the thing that you should know right out the gate with banshees is that by the time you read this one page on them, you're going to have three ideas for fun little quests or story hooks. For well, these guys. just based on a curse based on narcissism, I feel we can get into that later. But I, I would like to maybe start hinting at any players I have playing <laughs> female elves yeah. that if they are too greedy, yeah. too corrupt, then maybe that could start affecting them too. Yeah, exactly. Now... Um, other than that, like as far as the story elements, the, the, the flavor elements that they get um, out of the text before their stat block, they're sorrow bound, which means that they can only ever go five miles away from the source of where they became a banshee. So again, this makes them ideal for dungeons and that sort of like one location adventure because that that doesn't affect their abilities within that. If you're trying to make a banshee a key element of the campaign, well, they can only go so far in a couple of ways. But they're good for that, like, you know, that haunted mansion or that dungeon or that castle adventure. They also, flavor-wise, are called beauty hoarders, which is kind of like their vanity carries over into undeath. And they love jewelry and the finer things of life, even though... They can't really experience them in the same way because they are incorporeal at this point. The only things that they really, that they hate at this point, that they abhor is mirrors because they don't like seeing their own somewhat ugly reflection at this They point. don't like seeing what they look like on the inside. Oh yeah, and they, they're in complete denial about it. They don't, they don't accept any blame in them themselves. They're chaotic in that way. But yeah, I think that that's, that's another, it's like, there's a lot of like ready-made story elements right there. There's a lot of foreshadowing elements that you can give with this love of beauty, this love of the finer things. Um, and also like this maybe is perhaps a weakness that players can exploit if they really know their, know their Banshee Lord, they might be able to figure out a way to like barter or bribe or, or distract a banshee with something shiny. Okay. I'm looking at the just the, the stats for these guys. Yeah. It looks like they're a, a CR4. Their stats aren't particularly high, but there are a couple of things on here that I'm seeing that are horrifying. Yes. Let, I'll go ahead and say that, uh, for those of you listening, that this is found in the Monster Manual on page 23. But yeah, they've got some crazy good abilities. I think that every one of them is worth mentioning at least to start off with detect life if we're just drive into the abilities. Now I guess it's worth noting that before we get into that they're incorporeal 
So basically, they're immune or resistant to everything except magical weapons, like every type of damage. No, you got some exceptions. Force and yeah, things. there's a couple things, but for the most part, any damage these guys take, they're going to be resistant to. They don't have any weaknesses. Yeah. No vulnerabilities. So they can take full damage from a few things, but there's no vulnerabilities where they're particularly weak. They are relatively easy to hit at 12, but that's made up for with the fact that they are resistant to darn near everything. And then hit points are sitting about 58, which is a little bit low for a CR4. But again, if you don't have magical weapons that you're hitting them with, that's essentially doubling their health. So so getting back to Detect Life, that's their first true ability. It basically is within that five mile radius that we talked about from their, their origination source. They can detect everyone that's in that range and they have what I like to think of as like a compass that kind of guides them in a general direction to where those people are. It doesn't let them pinpoint their exact location but if they know general direction then they will get there before too long. That's just kind of a fun thing. It means that parties can't hide. It means that as soon as the party sets foot within that five mile radius the banshee can be plotting exactly how they're going to uh, destroy them. They can they can really plan out the fight, the encounter, that fits them the best. They were elves in life, and they didn't lose any of their mental stats as part of being undead. These are intelligent undead, so they're not super genius, but they are a plus one to intelligence and a plus three to charisma. So they could definitely potentially lure people in with maybe a, a soft voice uh, yep. or something, split them from the party before revealing to them exactly what they're dealing with they have the incorporeal movement which means that they can move through walls and things like that which means that they're going to be hard to pin down especially in a dungeon setting where we really get into some excitement is with their last two abilities the first one i think is a pretty standard ability in general but it's nice to see it on this low of a cr creature which is horrifying visage which basically is you save or you are frightened for for like, what, a minute? A minute. Ten rounds yeah. in combat, which... It takes you out of a combat in 5th edition. Like, you're not going to do anything in that encounter. Now, you get to save every round, which is nice. This is what I call a non-multiples recommendation in that this ability is really great and it's fun and it's exciting. It will kill a party if you put two of these together in an encounter. Yes, well... First of all, the horrifying uh, visage, if the frightened condition doesn't get them out of line of sight, not only do they have to try and make that save again, but it's at disadvantage. Yeah. If they can see the Banshee, they do so at disadvantage, yeah. which Wisdom is already not a particularly high stat for a lot of people. Doing so at disadvantage, it's going to be pretty difficult to break out of that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit terrifying, but with one of them, and we can kind of talk about how to make an encounter more than just Banshee's here in a little bit, but but if you're playing with a higher level party and you're trying to include Banshees, I would highly recommend not just saying, well, just throw two of them at them and it'll be fine. You will wipe your party, especially because of the next ability, which is an insane ability. It's what makes them totally unique and, and totally dangerous for a CR4, and that is Whale. Whale is, in my mind, a lot of times you don't see something like this until you get into creatures with legendary actions sometimes. This is a save or die that <laughs> is Which there are very few yeah. of in, in 5e. Even like the basilisks and things now that can turn you to stone, it takes several rounds 
of failing your save before that kicks in. Yeah, exactly. So I'm 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 putting out a warning right now. I've had uh, underlined horrifying visage. I would embolden and underline whale as like this is. Pay attention. Do not inadvertently destroy the party because it's once per day. But they do it, and everyone within how many feet? Of, within thirty feet. Thirty feet. So that's a 60-foot bubble. Yeah. They make a save or they reduce to zero. And if they do make the save, they still take 3d6. 3d6 psychic. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to do a good amount of damage to them, a decent amount of damage, even if it misses. I guess that the dropping to zero is, I mean, obviously you're not dying. You're just a zero. You're just unconscious. But... Look, if you drop your entire party down to zero, it's as good as a, as a party one. If you have a party of four, there's probably about a 50-50 chance they make this save if you don't haven't done any prep. Well, because the DC's 13 con, right? 13 con. Yeah. Most people maybe at best are going to have a plus two in yeah. con as a secondary or maybe tertiary stat. Yeah. So you're looking at about a 50% chance they're going to make that. If you knock out two people in your party and you do 3d6 to both of the others when they fail, that's already pretty bad on its own. And then you throw in Horrifying Visage, about another maybe 50-50 shot that one of them is going to be just terrified, unable to act. Um, You pretty quickly narrow down your party of four into a party of one facing off alone against this thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's where... Look, it may only have an AC of 12, but if it only has to fight one other person... <laughs> the the actions, the action economy isn't hurting it at that point at all. Yeah. Well, think about it like this. If they enter, the let's say, the haunted house, they hear the wail before they even see it. So, save, right there, boom. Half your party drops to zero just because it's the law of averages. So, it's going to... So half the party drops, then it comes around the corner and you see the horrifying visage. Now you have to save again. And what's the save on the horrifying visage? It's a 13, 13 wisdom. wisdom. All right. So again, now probably if, if you're if you're thinking about this, who has the most likely chance of saving on the cons? It's going to be your frontline fighters, right? They're going to save against the whale, maybe. Okay, well then the visage comes around and they have to save a wisdom. Almost certainly your frontline fighters don't have a high wisdom score. So you're catching both sides of the coin there. So within two rounds, one of which could be a surprise round, so really within one round, everybody's going to have to make two saves, two flips of the coin, and they're going to have to succeed on both of them. Otherwise, the Banshee has a buffet. Yep. For CR4, it's it doesn't have like multi-attack or anything like that, but the fact that it's already split your party this bad, if it hits you, it's doing another 3d6 plus two. I mean, it could very quickly take out a single person especially if they don't have any support and from there it's just you're at the mercy of of the dice a little bit yeah anything else we want to go over before we kind of get into maybe some like uh addition or some supplement recommendations i think that goes over these guys pretty well for what they bring together to the table as far as stats and ability wise so yeah let's dive into uh what you can do with them okay so this is a new segment that we're going to test out with the monsters which is a lot of times you're trying to build encounters and you find this great monster like a banshee and you say okay but my players are cr are are level six how do i bring this up to a level six encounter and obviously you can tweak the monster to get its stats a little bit better and that's fine you go for it but sometimes i think fifth edition and really DD in general is not built around the idea of the whole party fights one thing it's supposed to be a boss plus some minions or whatever. And so I think what we'll try to do is recommend some, uh, this pairs well with this sort of a thing. 
Um, so I've got a couple here, um, and then you can kind of yell if you have any more, Micah. The first one is, if you want to keep with the undead theme, you could throw a specter in as well. Uh, specter is found on page 279. It's a CR1 incorporeal creature. You could even throw a couple of them in. It, they don't have as crazy of special abilities. Most of their abilities, I think they have a life drain. It's more melee, but those could be a few good ways to uh, beef it up. If you're thinking of like the haunted mansion, the haunted house, swarms could be a really fun addition. Swarms of bats, swarms of rats. I think that could, you could add several of those and that's going to that's going to really bring about some distractions, especially to your spellcasters if they have to combat those swarms. So this one's a little bit more of a stretch. Doesn't come from a official source, but Toma Beasts has a really cool one that I fit, think fits in with the Banshee's vanity aspect yeah. in that there are these little candle golems, essentially, oh, yeah. that can explode and do some other things. But I could... I could see a banshee potentially collecting particularly handsome or beautiful individuals and then shaping them into these magical magical candle constructs and it, as a form of art, essentially, yeah. and then animating them when a party of adventurers comes sneaking into their home or their territory uninvited. Well, let me pitch you a few more then. Um, I think uh, it's a CR4, home horror could be a great, I think the inanimate object, the golem aspect that you're talking about works well with the Helm Horror. These could be things that as the elf knew that it was approaching this state of being that it, it built to help protect it. So a Helm Horror could be awesome. Any sort of golem. Of course, if you get into true golems, especially like an iron golem, which makes sense from like the beauty standpoint a little bit more than like the clay or a flesh golem. But those get into very high CRs, which may not make sense with a CR4 Banshee. But also a cool one, which would be a little bit higher than the Banshee, but that could be a good uh, surprise, um, a Shield Guardian. Um, and that fits well into the Banshees because Shield Guardians all have uh, amulets, and the wearer of the amulet or the possessor of the amulet is what it protects. So again, that's jewelry. It's a guardian. I think that makes a lot of sense from a story standpoint. The only fear there is when, you, when you're putting shield guardians in against the party is if they kill the banshee, they now own a shield guardian, which is a big deal. Well, and I think anytime, because as we mentioned, these guys are going to be pretty dangerous just on their own. If you start adding things in, you need to be very careful about what level your party is when you do it. If this is the only encounter they've had for the day, I think it definitely makes sense to have something else in there. 5e is not very well balanced for single monster encounters. If that's the only thing they've had that day, they're going to have quite a few more resources at their disposal. But I would say that you'll want to maybe have a few smaller things. I think if you reflavor the crawling hands yeah. to be less gross and undead, maybe be jeweled hands of yeah. uh, uh, much much more beautiful hands maybe that she's jealous of or yeah. something that she has collected, decorated with rings and stuff like that. Um, they're not particularly dangerous on their own. They're CR zeros, but they're definitely a nuisance. They could grab at people's ankles. They could scratch at them a little bit. And if you want to add in a few minions that she may have that are going to put be a little bit less of a threat overall to your party, I think that could be a 
a pretty interesting way to do it. And maybe if she manages to kill one of your parties, maybe she takes their hand as oh, yeah. a memento sort well, of thing. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. Um, another thing, I, as I'm thinking about different story elements, what is a beautiful uh, elf female going to have? And that's going, every single one of them is going to have some sort of quarter or lover, right? And if they're elves, then they're near immortal. So you could have this this lover that has stayed with her, maybe maybe has fallen under her sway even still, and you could take like a martial artist uh, martial arts adept from Volo's Guide, which is a CR three, and do it as like this male elf or whatever that that's staying with her in this haunted mansion as her protector even in undeath. And another option you'd have, the Toma B schools are set up a little bit differently in that they have their own society, but you could use some sort of ghoul or some other form of undead that they followed her into the afterlife to be with her. And you could have this power couple uh, fight. Even a remnant or something. Like anything mm-hmm. undeath could be interesting as far as that goes. Absolutely. But yeah, I think... That's the beauty of the Banshee. One, it has these very unique abilities, especially whale. But then along with it, like there's enough flavor within the provided text to where I, th- I don't see how you can walk away from this text without having at least a couple ideas about how you could craft a cool adventure around it or even just a cool moment within a dungeon. Just like a one-shot dungeon type thing that you could do with it. They'd fit really well if you're doing a larger madhouse dungeon. It'd always be a cool addition in something like that. A lot of things I think that you can get done with these guys. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all I've got uh, for Banshees. We'll get it wrapped up. Let us know what you guys think, how maybe you've used Banshees in your own game, and we will catch you next time. Later.